Chapter Twenty of Narrative of My Captivity Among the Sioux Indians by Fanny Kelly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. An Indian Tradition Arrival at the Blackfeet Village An Offer to Purchase Me Indignantly Rejected A Yankton Attempts My Capture The Blackfeet Village was one hundred and fifty miles from the Ogallalas, and the way thither lay often over the tops of bare and sandy hills. On the summits of these heights I found shells such as are picked up at the seaside. The Indians accounted for their appearance there by saying that once a great sea rolled over the face of the country, and only one man in a boat escaped with his family. He had sailed about in the boat until the waters retired to their place, and, living there, became the father of all the Indians. These savages proved very kind to me. Though their nation is regarded by the whites as very vindictive and hostile, they showed me nothing but civility and respect. On the third morning we reached a small village where we halted. The Indians of the village were rejoiced to see me. Among them I recognized many familiar faces, and they imparted to us their mistrust and apprehension lest I had been stolen from the Ogallalas. But the Blackfeet assured them to the contrary and after questioning me they became satisfied and gave us food promising to send warriors to our village and giving us another horse the journey to the village of the blackfeet was exceedingly wearisome completely exhausting me by its length and i suffered from the intense cold weather approaching their village they entered it with loud demonstrations of joy singing and whooping after the manner of their race with noises defying description I was received with great joy, and even marks of distinction were shown me. That night there was a feast, and everything denoted a time of rejoicing. My life now changed. Instead of waiting upon others, they waited upon me. The day of my arrival in the Blackfeet village was a sad one, indeed, being the first anniversary of my wedding. The songs and shouts of exultation of the Indians seemed like a bitter mockery of my misery and helplessness. I met in the village many warriors whom I had seen during the summer, and knew that they had participated in the battles with General Sully. They saw that something had made me sad and thoughtful, and asked what it was. I told them it was my birthday. Soon after my arrival, Ego Sigalanicha was sent to me, and inquired how I was treated, and particularly wished to know if they were respectful to me. She told me that she was sent to inquire for my safety and well-being, and that any remissness on the part of the Blackfeet would be visited with vengeance. She told me that her people mourned the captive's absence and grieved for her presence. From others I learned the same. Next morning there was great commotion in the camp, caused by the arrival of a delegation from the Yanktons, with a handsome horse and saddle as a present for me. The saddle was of exquisite workmanship, embroidered with beads and richly decorated with fringe. The Yanktons desired to purchase me, offering five of their finest horses for me, which the Blackfeet were quite indignant at, replying that they also had fine horses, and, deeming it an insult, returned the horse and its saddle. Fearing my disappointment, they in council that night decided to present me with something as worthy as the Yanktons had sent. Accordingly, at the door of my tent next morning, 
were four of their best animals. Eight beautiful robes were brought in by the young men and given me also. The Yanktons were told to return to their tribe, and if such a message was again sent, the hatchet would be painted and given to them. This closed the negotiation, but not their efforts to obtain me. The large reward which had been offered for my recovery caused the Indians much trouble, as frequently large parties from other tribes would come in, offering to purchase me from those who held me captive. Several such instances occurred while I was with the Ogallalas, nor were the Blackfeet exempt from similar annoyances. One day, while in tall soldiers' teepee, there was a large body of mounted warriors seen approaching the village. The women gathered around me, and told me I must stay in the tent concealed. All was excitement, and the women seemed frightened. Soon I knew that preparations were being made for a feast on a large scale. The strange warriors came into camp and held a council, at which tall soldier made a speech, which from the distance I could not understand. They then had a feast and departed. The Blackfeet gave me to understand that the visit of these Indians was on my account, as had been that of the Yanktons. Soon after, I noticed that parties of warriors would leave the camp daily and return, bringing ammunition and goods of various kinds. I learned from the squaws and children that a party of traders from the Platte River had arrived in the neighborhood with four wagons to trade with the Indians, and that they wanted to buy me, but that the Indians would not part with me. I pretended to the Indians that I did not desire to leave them, but pled that I might go with them to see the white men, which was refused, as was also a request that I might write a letter to them. Soon after, the traitors were murdered, only one man escaping, which reached Fort Laramie nearly dead from hunger and exposure, having travelled the whole distance from the Missouri River on foot. I have since learned that the men were sent out by Mr. Bove, a trader, near Fort Laramie, with instructions to procure my release if it required all they possessed. Since learning these facts, I am more than ever convinced that the reluctance of the Indians to give me up grew out of their hope of capturing Fort Sully through my involuntary agency, and securing a greater booty than any ransom offered, as also of obtaining revenge for the losses inflicted upon their nation by the soldiers under General Sully. The Blackfeet appeared in every respect superior to the tribe I had left. The chief, tall soldier, displayed the manners and bearing of a natural gentleman. They kept up an air of friendliness, and communicated frequently with the whites, but in reality were ready to join any hostile expedition against them, and were with the Ogallala Sioux when our train was attacked at Box Elder. The Blackfeet seemed to be stationary in their village, only sallying out in small parties for plunder and horses, and, during that time, keeping up a succession of entertainments at the teepee of the chief, where a constant arrival of warriors and many Indians from other tribes, who were warmly welcomed, added to the excitement of the days. I sympathized with the poor wife of the chief, who was the only woman beside myself in the tent, and to whose labor all the feasts were due. She was obliged to dress the meat, make fires, carry water, and wait upon strangers, besides setting the lodge in order. 
these unceasing toils she performed alone the commands of the chief forbidding me to aid her while with the ogallalas i never crossed their will or offered resistance to my tasks however heavy having learned that obedience and cheerful industry were greatly prized and it was doubtless my conciliating policy that had at last won the indians and made them bewail my loss so deeply the squaws are very rebellious often displaying ungovernable and violent temper they consider their life a servitude and being beaten at times like animals and receiving no sort of sympathy it acts upon them accordingly the contrast between them and my patient submission had its effect upon the indians and caused them to miss me when separated from them during my sojourn in this village i received invitations to every feast and to the different lodges one day when visiting one of these lodges a package of letters was given me to read they had been taken from captain fisk's train and were touchingly beautiful some of them were the correspondence of a mr nichols with a young lady to whom he seemed tenderly attached i was asked to read these letters and explain them to the indians i was removed at different times to various lodges as a sort of concealment as i learned that the yanktons had not given up the idea of securing me and one night i awoke from my slumbers to behold an indian bending over me cutting through the robes which covered me after making a great incision in the tent whereby he entered fearing to move i reached out my hand to the squaw who slept near me whose name was chahampa say white sugar pinching her to arouse her which had its effect for she immediately arose and gave the alarm at which the indian fled this caused great excitement in the camp and many threats were made against the yanktons the intense cold and furious storms that followed my arrival among the blackfeet precluded the possibility of their setting out immediately on the proposed journey to fort sully the snowdrifts had rendered the mountain passes impassable and the chief informed me that they must wait until they were free from danger before taking leave of the shelter and security of their protected village. End of chapter 20